Welcome into Paydirt Sports, brought to you by Six Pack Coverage. We are part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. This is Will Dundon, and I'm here with Nick Trucial. Nick, I I guess I'll ask, but I, I think I know the answer already, but uh, how was the weekend? I mean, I'll try and look on the bright side. I had a fun weekend, uh, but definitely not the result I was looking for out of, obviously, that Titans game. But to make up for it, we did probably have the best weekend in college fo- or excuse me pro football playoff history oh for sure i totally agree with that i think everyone said the same thing we basically saw i mean a lot of people were saying that chiefs bills game was essentially the super bowl which i don't that might have been the best playoff game i've ever seen oh it was it was for me yeah and i mean to have every game decided pretty much by a game winner Either, yeah, we'll, uh, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, every game was decided last yeah, second. And we'll definitely get in that Chiefs Bills game, but we'll kick it off first. We'll go we'll go Packers Niners and kind of go from there. So I mean basically I think Rogers scored he touchdown drive first drive, I believe. And then that yeah, was it. They scored uh seven in the first quarter. Um then couldn't really do anything after that. Had one field goal. The 49ers defense pretty much just swallowed them up. Had a block field goal. Had a block punt return for a touchdown. I mean, they showed up to play. Which basically, to me, this states, this totally debunked my theory of possibly San Fran, warm weather guys not being able to go up in Lambeau, in the snow, play with them. They did it. Uh, home field advantage is irrelevant. That's another thing we learned here. Well, eh, I mean, I would not say so. but... Still, crazy things can happen in the NFL. It doesn't matter where you're playing the game. I mean, I would say Lambeau Field is one of those, and we said it last week. That's one where I would think there is home field advantage, and obviously that was not the case, even with a lot of people talking about Aaron Rodgers after this game. Yeah, I mean, he was... Legacy getting a little tarnished. Supposed to be the guy. This was supposed to be the year. He had a good defense. Everything was rolling, and I mean, he flopped. Really, he had no no touchdowns, um, couldn't get the offense going the whole game. He talked a, a lot this season, uh, pretty cocky, and really couldn't back it up when it mattered most. And so what's your what's your take on Aaron Rodgers? Because I got, I got in this discussion with a few guys, with uh, the, our, our buddy the lawyer, Swafford, and then uh, Seth and Reese, a part of our team. So I mean, what's your take on Aaron Rodgers? He's definitely extremely talented, top five quarterback, probably talent-wise. Um but also, I mean, you can kind of say a little bit, he pads a lot of his stats in the regular season, um, will throw a bunch of touchdowns and blow out games, um, but he continuously loses the big games. I mean, he can't get past the NFC Championship for so long, has only been to one Super Bowl, only got that one one in 2011, um, really hasn't done anything or hasn't had a playoff run or a Super Bowl run since then. So I don't know if you can really hold them in that top three greatest of all time conversation anymore. It's tough, right? Because to me, I have never seen a better thrower of the football than Aaron Rodgers. The th- if you ever are bored, go look up. I'm sure I've said this before. Go look up Aaron Rodgers' best throws on YouTube He's and pure. you will be astounded. Like you've already seen it. You've probably already seen most of them, but going back and watching them back to back, will amaze you. However, so this brings me to the thought that for quarterbacks now, as far as legacies go, it's almost like two is the new one. It kind of is. Like Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl. That Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer oh, everything. Oh, for sure. And but he deserves it. 
but he's kind of out of that whole best of all time category. And I like obviously Brady is the is the greatest of all time. But when you start talking about your Mannings, yeah, th- I mean even throw uh, Montana obviously. It's it's now turned into if you want to be in that conversation, you got to have two. Like one is not enough because everyone was bashing Rogers this whole year. Yeah, saying oh he's only got one, and to me I I don't know if that's if that's fair or not. Um, because obviously he had the the issues with the whole front office draft picks everything, but this year it's like all right you got you got Devonte Adams had the young coach the good offense set in place kind of the offensive guru kind of the new yeah. uh uh McVay in a way i guess but i mean obviously it's LaFleur and you yeah you have the defense you have the weapons you got two good running backs not a whole lot of excuses and you get a home playoff game in the snow in Lambeau that you're all accustomed to playing to it's everything that you really wanted and it, it's it's crazy because outside of the first game of the season, Rodgers pretty much was flawless the rest of the year. He did what he had to do, and then he gets gets here, like you said, in the big game. And and that's what's hard for me is I think what I've learned, especially in this year, it is so hard to win a Super Bowl. Like you you have to be because I'm I'm thinking as a Titans fan, obviously, but. To, to have a shot, you have to consistently be in the playoffs, in the conference championship games. Like, sometimes, like you have to have everything go your way, honestly. Oh, yeah. It's so hard to get everything to fall in line. All the, the your salary cap has to fall in place. You had to have guys who are underpaid. Those young guys who come in and play well above what they should be paid. You need to have those veterans. You need to have the right coaching staff all the way down to your assistants. I mean, there's so many variables as a fan you're thinking about, oh, well, we got a bunch of good players, so it's going to work out. But, I mean, football is a very complicated game. You look at the quarterbacks who kind of break down. We've seen a lot of that this year, I feel like, break down the the actual plays and how much goes through their head. I mean, that's going – that's every player is uh, going through that. So, Well, it's even the fact that – so the Packers – can beat any team in the NFL, right? Yeah. I don't think anyone would argue that. But just the fact of the whole playoffs, obviously, you you slip up one time and you're done. You know, and we it, what's crazy is you see it throughout the regular season. We see the worst teams in the league get one and, and beat a really good team in the league. The Bills scored six points against the Jags earlier this year. Yeah. You know, they slipped up. It's it so when you get into the playoffs and you're all playing good teams, you really you can't get away from your game plan. Everything has to kind of go your way. You have to play super well, obviously. You can't have a down game. So I don't know. I Well, and also what I want to talk about, what do you think of Aaron Rodgers just as a guy? Oh, I don't like him at all. Really? Well, yeah, he's, uh, what, shunned his family, um, talks a lot of crap in public, uh, seems like a guy who really isn't very compassionate I mean, I respect his game, obviously, but I don't know if I really like him as a person too much. See, that's where I am wondering. Because first of all, like I don't like Jordan Rodgers either. <laughs> so if I'm Aaron Rodgers, like I can, I can kind of understand you that. that but obviously, the whole parent, yeah, you're not talking to your parents. That's kind of weird. But I think a lot of the crap he caught, especially this year was obviously from the whole COVID stuff. We won't dive super far into that, but I think the media really 
latched onto that and tried to make him out to be the bad guy. And because because what I look at, he's on Pat McAfee's show like every week or whatever. McAfee's one of the most likable guys in the sports yeah. media industry, and he loves the guy. He's Aaron Rodgers' boys with like Joe Rogan, the most yeah. popular guy on the planet, Podcast. probably. Yeah. And I I don't know. So for me, I, I well, and the other part is he's he's a jerk to his teammates or whatever, right? That's kind of the other yeah. narrative. He's always kind of bashing on guys or whatever. But I look at that and I think of like Michael Jordan. You watch the Last Dance documentary. Yeah, he, his teammates, he was a jerk to his teammates. And so the, the here comes the argument, right? Jordan has six rings or whatever. He can act like that. Yeah. But I think, I mean, why did Jordan get six rings? Yeah, I think it was... Why did Kobe get five rings? Why does Tom Brady have... Like, you got to be kind of an asshole sometimes. And I think it comes from like an alpha personality kind of, which say whatever you will about that. But I think that's just kind of his personality, and that's what made him at least get one Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, and you think about it. These are all grown men playing this game. It it's take it, it takes a little bit more than just a pat on the back to get some of these guys fired up and ready to play for you. So sometimes some of that being super tough and dog mentality can kind of spread across the uh, roster and kind of. I don't know, get you going, give you that extra push in the playoffs when, like you say, all bets are off. So it's whoever plays the best a couple of weeks in a row. That's all it takes. Well, in a personality like that, too, it all depends on the rest of your team, right? Not everyone responds to the same stuff. Some people can't. Some people, yeah, it gets them going. They get fired up or they hate you so much that it makes them go harder and they don't want to hear it anymore. But then, especially with younger receivers, you see it a lot with Rodgers. And it's like, bro, those guys aren't ready. <laughs> they're not ready for that, probably. Yeah, all the receivers nowadays are divas. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you can't, I don't know. Right, so that that's what, I I got into a little bit of an argument with a couple guys about just Rodgers as a person. And I don't know, I'm, I like him just because I think some of the stuff he says is funny and I'm kind of okay with him being a jerk. And also, quote from Mark Whipple, new Huskers offense coordinator, he said he never met a good quarterback who wasn't a prick. And I think Rodgers is just more open to like show that side yeah, of him all the time, <laughs> which maybe he is just a little bit more of a jerk than everyone else. But anyway, getting back to the game, Rodgers didn't show up, didn't play well. He's not going to be remembered as one of the best. I, I don't know. I think he's going to be... I mean, he's not done, obviously. No. So that's another I thing we can could, get into. Yeah, he could. Well, I think pretty much most people are assuming he's not going to be with Green Bay next year after the right. kind of fiasco and debacle that happened this offseason where he was almost traded. Um, he's certainly the type of guy to be vengeful, want to go play for another team and win quickly. So, yeah, that I wouldn't would be, count out Rodgers just yet. What a villain story that would be, too. If he, go, if he pulls a Favre and ends up going to the Vikings – well, yeah, even just division, uh, division rival. Even just after all this, after everyone's kind of bashing him right now, you know, if he goes somewhere next year and wins a Super Bowl, what a what insane. a story that would be! He would probably give everyone double birds after oh, yeah. the Super Bowl Discount and everything. Double bird. He probably wouldn't even. He'd probably like win the game and walk off the field. Wouldn't even stay for the celebration. Just be like, all right, cool, got my other ring. That's all See I want. Peace. Yeah, <laughs> going back out to Hawaii. But unless he, if he doesn't do that, then it is kind of like I said. I think two is the new one. 
you know, Pey- Peyton's got two. Even yeah. Eli's got two. Big Ben has two. I think he's got uh, – Big Ben's got three, or, I Does think. he have three? Yeah. Okay. So, that, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, I I think there's Mahomes a whole is definitely new... going to be shooting for multiple Super Bowls. Right. I think he's the only guy, really, who has a chance to get close to Brady, which, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anyone will ever know, do that's that. That's tough, dude. We'll see, but, I mean – I mean, the Chiefs aren't we'll going what, anywhere, what you know. happens this year, yeah. Yeah. The and Chiefs then... aren't going anywhere, but you also have this whole young quarterback – New new wave of young quarterbacks coming with him, Burrow. Josh Allen, Burrow. I mean, I'm I'm who See, who else Mac are we Jones. forgetting? Honestly, you could throw Mac Jones in there. There was a whole Portnoy put up his top five, and he had Mac Jones at three. Oh, Herbert, Herbert's the other one. Herbert, yeah. You know, so Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Actually, talk about Jalen Hurts real quick. Yeah. So we had this last week. I I think I said, oh, you know, Jalen Hurts. He's not Lamar Jackson. Like I don't know how good he is. But but so guys, Trucial sent me this TikTok uh, a few days ago, showing me basically Jalen Hurts' stats through however many games or starts or whatever compared to Lamar Jackson's, and then he just showed me another one comparing Jalen Hurts' numbers and Josh Allen's, and I think Jalen Hurts has better numbers than both of them. Yeah, than both of them. It was a video of Jordan Palmer. He does a lot of quarterback breakdowns on TikTok. He's got a great He's account. a guru. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, I'd go check his account out if you're kind of interested in stats and breaking down uh, quarterback play a little bit. But, I mean, showing the numbers, he beats uh, Lamar across the board. Then also here looking at Josh Allen, um, higher completion percentage, more passing yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions. Um more rushing yards, more rushing touchdowns, less fumbles. I mean, I can I can keep going. Is that on and through? On. So is that through, through a certain first number? Nineteen starts. Okay, so yeah, that's. I mean, so it's a full season and playoffs. Well, it's just straight up starts too, right? Yeah. Like it's not it's not a oh he didn't start these games or didn't play like that, yeah, no, that's just matching starts. up straight starts. That's wild because I don't think of Jalen Hurts as throwing the ball all over the field. You I'm know? telling you, he willed his team to the playoffs this year and. The Eagles are not that good. The Eagles good. are bad. Yeah, they are not good. Um, Jalen Hurts has a bright future. He, uh, I mean, I, so I didn't know this, but I, I mean, I'm assuming now that Eagles fans are all in on Jalen Hurts. Oh, like, that's yeah. their guy. So. They're definitely all in on Hurts. I hope he just doesn't turn into like a, a Mariota situation where year one, big flash in the pan and kind of fizzles think, out. I think he's more of a. More of a vocal guy, more of a leader. Got a little more dog in him than Mariota probably oh, yeah. does. Definitely, I'd agree. But that's wild. Yeah, it's Jalen interesting. Hur- well, because because now the thing is, hey, you start kind of building a team around him now that you know this is your guy. Maybe the Eagles are building something. Yeah, the defense is pretty good. Uh, they've missed on a lot of receiver picks. Pretty good tight end room. Could improve a little bit. Get a little bit younger on the O line, but. The Eagles are not that far off from becoming a, a real threat in the NFC. So I'll be interested to see kind of where they uh, what they do this offseason and where they end up going. It's crazy now. We're down to the final four. All these other teams are in their yeah. offseason. But so let's let's talk about the next game. Let's go Rams Bucks. And man, this is another game. I had a group message going. It was was it twenty to three or twenty seven to three? It was twenty seven to three halfway through the third quarter. Gosh. And I even said, because you know we were we were all counting it out. Twenty four unanswered. And I said, "Well, hey, don't count Brady out." But I didn't. 
I just kind of threw it out there. I didn't yeah, really it wasn't think serious. Don't count them out. Yeah, I didn't really think it was going to happen. And then I flip over, check the score. Oh, look, was it a tie ball? Yeah, tie ball game. Eventually, and dude, credit to Big Matt Stafford. Gosh, I'm so happy for that guy. Oh, I'm I'm fired up for him, and I saw videos all weekend long uh, of former Lions fans they're calling themselves because they basically just started following around Matt <laughs> Stafford. So all these uh, people in uh, Lions Stafford uniforms going crazy for him. I mean, you got to root for the guy. I feel like I'm rooting for Stafford uh, out of the NFC and then Burrow out of the uh, AFC. For well, sure. And it's beautiful too because Stafford, he won the game with that throw at the end to line him up for a Cooper field goal. Cooper Cup might have won that game. But well, it yeah. was an incredible throw. Right, right. Incredible throw, but boy, did Cooper Cup show up. Cooper Cup's the man. I'm all in on Cooper Cup. Probably one of my favorite players in the NFL. But just the fact that, you know, Stafford, after winning games for the Lions like he did, will, like just willing that franchise for so long, carrying him on his back, it's like, okay, I get to make a play in the playoffs to beat the greatest quarterback of all time, get my team to a conference championship. The dude's never been anywhere close to that, you know, besides the one year he went to the playoffs with the Lions. Good for him. I'm I'm kind of cheering for Stafford. I kind of hope he gets a ring. Because right now, we said it earlier, now he's won a playoff game and everything. But he's kind of the best to never win anything. Yeah. Him and Phillip Rivers, kind of in recent memory, you think about those guys who... Yeah, and then you throw like Marino in there, yeah, obviously, obviously, guys who right. haven't won Super Bowls. But gosh, good, good for him. Good for the Rams. I mean, the Rams look good. It's they like, look real good. Their defense is showing up. I mean, when they needed to get to Brady, and especially through the first half, Von Miller and Aaron Donald uh, were having a field day. They, I mean, they were getting back there. He, he, Brady really, through the first half, looked like he was pretty rattled. I mean, he was off on all his throws, but really the defense is what tightened up and got him back into the game. Obviously, Brady took care of the ball and made some big plays, but the turnovers that they forced the stupid snap that Stafford where he, I don't know if you saw that where he wasn't looking the center snapped it and it just flew right by him um, and then Cam Akers is for some reason they have him running the ball with a minute left to put the game away and he fumbles it gets uh, a nice little peanut punch to knock it out you got to give it to the the veteran Sony Michelle in that standpoint Akers had already fumbled once so the Rams really did all they could to lose that game but Stafford and Cooper Cup they decided to write their own uh, write their own story in the history books. Well, we said it like the Rams were peaking at the right time. They obviously they came into the season with a lot of hype, started off scoring a lot of points, being fun to watch, and then Mold they during the middle yeah, of the season, but kinda, got right back on track when needed to uh, get healthy and ready to go. Yeah, it's kind of like a couple of these teams are doing exactly what they we thought they would do. Like the Chiefs, obviously. You know, we people were worried about them, and then they haven't lost since they lost to the Titans in week whatever. Yeah, and they now lost in the AFC months. Championship. Yeah. So, another great game. We'll move on to maybe the best playoff game ever: Chiefs and Bills. I mean, what was it? Eighteen points in the last two minutes. So let me let me read you off what I have right here. So in the final two minutes. You have, these are the stats from Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Final two minutes. This is the stats for both quarterbacks. Josh Allen, 5 of 7, 102 passing yards, 2 touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, 
10 for 13, 188 pass yards, two touchdowns. That is uh, ridiculous. Well, and you saw the, I mean, Josh Allen, I was watching him just slinging bombs to uh, 13 on the Bills. Is that Gabriel Davis? Yeah, Gabriel Davis. He had eight receptions, four touchdowns, he was a 200 guy, yards. He was a guy I kind of saw during the regular season, and I was like, man, this guy's kind of making some plays. And then, man, he had a day against the Chiefs. Yeah, what'd you say, 200 yards? Yeah, and he was making him look silly too. There was one of those touchdowns where he broke a dude on a route and just caught, and the, he was by himself. I think it was in the fourth and thirteen when the Bills needed to score, find a twenty-yard strike right to Davis wide open in the end zone. Uh, that was crazy. Yeah, he went off, and D- he needed it because Diggs had seven yards. Well, and then at the end you have, and this is another thing, kind of similar to when I said, "Hey, don't count Brady out." Not really believing it, but then it actually happens. 13 seconds left on the clock, and I'm thinking, I mean, it would not be unusual for Pat Mahomes and the boys to get down in field goal range, and they did a lot better than even I expected they would do. Did you see the, so that seam route that Kelsey ran? Yeah, there ran was right up the left side, yeah, wide open. There, there was a clip where, so I think he was just supposed to run kind of uh, up and in, like in kind of the wide open space, and you can hear... Pat Mahomes on this kind of mic'd up one, or they turned the volume up on him, and you hear him say, do it, Kels, do it. So that means that they were kind of looking at each other, and he basically was like, hey, I'm going to run this seam route, and we're about yeah. to get 30 yards instead of this. And it's crazy when that stuff happens. You have a guy like Kelsey and Mahomes who have developed such a great chemistry. Like we were just talking about with Rodgers. I saw Rodgers talking um, about a play Devontae Adams made earlier this season, and he said all it was, they both looked at each other, knew the exact route that they were thinking of, nodded, didn't say any words. Devontae Adams, audibles, cuts right inside, perfect pass, perfect throw, uh, or perfect catch. It's crazy when some of those guys get some chemistry, a good receiver uh, or a good tight end, catching tight end and a quarterback, make some crazy plays. No, yeah, they literally have telepathy going on with yeah. them. Well, and that comes from playing together, right? But I, lo- I love hearing them just say it. To each other too, just Mahomes being it, like, "Go, go do, do it, it. Kelsey, do it, do it, do it." <laughs> just in the mid, in the heat of the game, with a few seconds left, get down, get a chip shot, and so a lot of people were complaining. And I, I'm with them, I guess. We'll we'll talk about it more, but so the whole overtime NFL rule, basically, you knew that game was won at the coin toss. Whoever was going to win the coin Neither toss was going to win the game. Stop the team at that point, right? Both quarterbacks were so hot, and the receivers were on. I mean, and and so obviously KC wins the toss. They go nuts because they think they've yeah. just won the game. Allen and called then, tails. Yeah, they go up. Tails did fail. Tails fails. Well, it did fail that time. It usually doesn't, but yeah, tails never next fails. time. Heads is beds. Anyway, Mahomes they they drive down the field, get the touchdown. But so Trujillo, what are your thoughts on the NFL overtime? I mean, I would be more of the of on the side of going to more of a college style overtime, and I kind of I I like it where they have the they put in the two point conversion after what is it two tries or three tries? Right. Uh, well, and now it's scoring. yeah, and then now they do the whole just two point conversion off. Yeah, just do that off, and I feel like maybe not exactly that, but something similar styled. I mean, makes the most sense in the NFL. It sucks to when see a guy it, like Josh Allen. But also, those 11 guys on the other side of the ball, defense, they mattered. 
The Chiefs had to drive the whole field and go score a touchdown. They could have stopped. They had 11 plays or something like that to stop Mahomes. So you could kind of look at it that way that, all right, well, just because we feel bad for Josh Allen that he didn't get a chance. Okay, well, the defensive coordinator, defensive side of the ball screwed up. They shouldn't have even been in that situation in the first place. Well, and you gave them, the, the guy had 13 seconds. To go down the field. That's the other thing. You had your chance in the fourth quarter, man, at the very yeah, that, end. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They should have hadn't have been or shouldn't have been in that situation like we were talking about earlier. Just tackle the receivers at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, take the holding men- penalty. Mention that because you said your your dad mentioned yeah, that to you. He was too. talking about this. So uh Bills pretty much barring a Hail Mary insane play, could have won that game. All they needed to do, so the Chiefs didn't have a timeout if they go up. The second the ball is snapped, all the corners just dive, go take out the receiver's legs. It's holding because it's within five yards. The ball hasn't been thrown, so it's not going to be pass interference. You get the five yards, but you get the clock run off. It's one on untimed play or a couple of seconds left either way. And they've got to throw what, like a 55-yard bomb or 60, something like yeah, that? Yeah, 60-plus, something like that. So I, I'd like my chances of... Stopping that than a Harrison Butker forty-seven yarder or whatever. Well, because that's the thing—you didn't just let him get into field goal range; you let him get like well into field goal yeah, range. Kind of, it wasn't you know? a, a a gimme for for sure, but it wasn't. But like it's a like big fifty-nine yarder insane kick. That's what Romo and Nance were talking about. All right, is this going to be like a fifty-seven yarder or something? Because then it's like, all right, you got some. I mean, for, like you said, forty-seven is no gimme, but for a guy like Butker. 47 is a lot more manageable. You're not worried about distance or anything at that yeah, point. You no, know? you're just like, go up there and do what you do. Bucker's a, a great kicker and has been for years. So It's just it's him. just nerves and being accurate at that point. Because at least if, if it's 57 plus or whatever, that could it's go cold. Short. Yeah. You know, I like, I mean, I'm not going to say it goes sh- short necessarily, but he knows he's got to put everything he has into it. And then that's something that makes it a little yeah, more. It could be inaccurate. Right. You never know. But so I'm, as far as the overtime rule goes, yeah, no, I get it because it sucks that you don't get to see, give both teams a chance, kind of. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, though, because I I wouldn't mind just giving the ball back, like just kicking it back off. Like, I don't think you have to go college. Like, obviously, I wouldn't go college 25 or 30, whatever it is. Some people talk about maybe the 40-yard line. I'd be okay with that, I guess. But even just being able to kick it back off and saying, all right, now you got to drive the length of the field because that's still going to be tough. Yeah. Because at a certain point, I mean, that would be tough in my opinion to just continually go length of the field, length of the field, length of the field, you know? Oh, yeah, you get worn out. Right. So maybe that's the answer. I don't know. But again, I don't, I mean, the Bills had their chance to win that game. So I'm not feeling bad for them or anything. No, I don't feel bad for them. Well, I feel bad for Josh Allen. Don't feel bad for the team. Sean McDermott, some people are pretty pissed at him. Defensive coordinator for what should have been the the best secondary in the league, at least was this year, uh, did not show up at the end of this game at all second half. Uh, Bill should have won this game, but they still got a bright future. They got a very good defense, young stars. That's will be just fine. That's the thing uh, Swaff was saying. He said... Mahomes Allen is the new Manning Brady, essentially. And it is, I think. Different styles of players for sure. Right. But, but it's the whole like these are the two these are the two premier gotta, it's guys. It's gonna be tough to take them out. 
Right. And the whole, every, anytime they match up, they're going to start having a graphic for those games of oh, the yeah. whole Mahomes versus Allen type thing. Yeah, I'd imagine both team or both guys will stick on their team for a little while. They're both in good situations. Oh, they'll be there forever, right? Yeah, until they fall over or something. You know, they're gonna be there forever. Um, what was Mahomes? Didn't Mahomes sign like a five hundred million dollar deal or something? Something absolutely crazy because they just locked him in basically for his career. They're like, yeah, we're not. Which is, yeah, good idea. I mean, unless he gets hurt or something, knock on wood. You know, that's a genius play. Yeah, pull it up real quick. Yeah, what does it say? Um, so he's making close to forty million uh, starting in twenty twenty two. Mahomes will make an average of forty five million per year. Yeah, four hundred seventy seven million dollar deal. Yeah, because he bought a. He's part owner of the Royals. I think that's what he did right when he got that signing bonus or whatever when they made the original deal. So this is crazy. It, by twenty thirty one, he's going to be. Getting paid fifty two point four five million. Obviously, by then, TV contracts will get bigger. Players will be paying, getting paid more. But still, to know that a the fifty million dollar deal is already locked in, that's crazy. Well, you're also ba- like, how old is Mahomes right now? Twenty six. Got to be something like that. Let's see. I here. think he's twenty six or younger. Yeah, twenty six. I think is what it says. Yeah, so twenty six. So okay, you're you're banking on him, the quarterbacks kind of continuing what we've seen with Brady and all these guys being older, Breeze, Be everything great through their late thirties, right? Which is, I mean, fa- I think it's officially fair to say that just because of all the treatment and everything that's going on, and how you can't hit quarterbacks nearly as hard as you used to be. I mean, right? Yeah, that's a good point. All the time, you see penalties called about diving up their legs or slamming them too hard on the ground. You can't even hit. You can't even touch them on the head. Mm-mm. If you hit them with your hand on the head, they call a rough in the passer, which is so stupid in my opinion. I love. I don't think we talked about this last week, but uh, there was a tweet talking about how guys were hitting each other in the early two thousands and everything. Guys were just knocking each other's heads off, and there were no flags or anything. And someone quoted the tweet and said. If Vontez Perfect was drafted in 02, he'd have a statue outside Paul oh, yeah. Brown Stadium. <laughs> Dude, that guy was a scumbag. He had so many dirty hits throughout his career. Right, but it's like, do you look back at those early they used 2000s to not be dirty, days. That dirty. No one cared about helmet to helmet and stuff, really. I no. mean, you just laid dudes out and no one cared. Yeah. The whole. When whenever we pull up, if, if YouTube is still a thing, when we have kids and everything, and we pull up biggest hits of. 2006. I mean, our kids aren't going to believe it. They're going to be like, what? This is what football used to be like? You can actually tackle them? It's not two-hand touch? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, Churchill. I think think it's time we uh, revel in our misery. (sighs) Got to rip the Band-Aid off. Yep, and we talk about a lot to unpack here for our Titans fans that are listeners here because we're not only going to talk about the game, but we're going to talk about a few uh, off-season ideas break down the quarterback situation, everything. But so, Trucial, give me your kind of just quick summary of the game, I guess. So, it was a defensive grudge match. Uh, that's the one thing that I want to, because I want to talk about the positive first. Uh, the defense played great. Had, what, nine sacks? Nine sacks and an interception. Killing Burrow the whole time. Stopped the run. I mean, pretty much without the offense creating a lot of turnovers, I mean, the defense really didn't make too many mistakes at all. Uh, 
very impressed with that side of the crew. Obviously, Tannehill with uh, a couple of bad interceptions, as well as the play calling in a couple of different scenarios. Will, we can dive into this specifically, the third and one and fourth and one back-to-back play calls. That, that was something that I was very frustrated with, and I think a lot of the fans are. Um, just screw not going with the game flow. It seemed like we did that a couple of times this season in games that we lost. Uh, the play calling seemed to kill us because really the the team would always find a win. The guys would were willing to fight till the end. Um, and the bad read option kind of called a Tannehill, and then just a slow developing weird run for Henry. Um, you QB sneak it when you're that close on the third and short. So we definitely uh, have some interesting things to think about when it comes to what we should do with our kind of offensive side of the coaching staff. So let's talk about that third and one play first, because that was the one I think that I actually, I'm not going to say they were, they were all pretty crucial parts of the game, but so the third and one that was really like third and half a yard, right? It was very close. That's one. Yeah. I'm thinking QB sneak all day. It is honestly the most... QB sneak might be the most undervalued play in football. I don't know why guys don't do it all the time. You have the advantage as an offense. You know when you're going to snap the ball. You automatically get a head start, essentially, from that line. As long as you get somewhat of a push, you got Derrick Henry behind you, have him go up and push Tannehill over. I'd say 95 times out of 100, the Titans get that QB sneak. Oh, yeah, especially with how our offensive line now Henry didn't have the the best game in the world, but I mean, we had what about 150 yards rushing. So it's not like Foreman ran well. Yeah, he had the most he led the uh, Titans in rushing, yards, I believe. Um, So it's not like the O-line was playing poorly from the run side of the standpoint. We've definitely played poorly from the passing side of the standpoint. So I I think you just got to you got to trust that they get that yard. And the big boys up front make that push. Well, and the fact that the call was a read option. Like, you want to hand it off to Henry or something? Fine. You even want to get a little cuter with it and maybe run some weird pass. You know, if it doesn't work, everyone's going to have your head. But, you know, a lot of times, I mean, the Bengals did that to us on their fourth down try, you know, where they swung it out to, I think it was T. Higgins. uh, And he took it off for a big game. But anyway, unless you have, unless you're the Ravens and you have Lamar Jackson, or unless this is college football, do not run a read option on third and half a yard. You're putting, you're making it too complicated. Like why, why have a read? Hand the like, do a run play or do yeah. a QB sneak or do a put Henry in the wildcat and have him run straight up the gut. Like I don't, I don't understand why that was so complicated. It's frustrating to think about. I mean, you got to give it to Burrow. He hung in there. Um, and made some big plays when his O-line was not helping uh, out at all. McPherson hit a big uh, field goal, obviously. Um, It seemed kind of weird how Tannehill, like you notice some of the the big quarterbacks in some of the other games, Mahomes, uh, Allen, go to Gabriel Davis. They start hitting Travis Kelsey, kind of feed the hot hand. Um, I feel like they could have gone to A.J. Brown a little bit more. Um, and really fed him because he obviously had a great game. Uh, and would have been nice to see Julio 
do a little bit more. He played pretty well. Julio gave me at least something to be like, all right, Julio still has it. Yeah. You know? Like when he's healthy, he's definitely it's good to have him out there. Well, especially um, if we would have won, I would have thought, okay, yeah. Julio's still a big weapon for us. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I mean, there's it was just a weird game because the whole time too, you thought the Titans were going to pull it out, and it was going to be one of those Titans fashion, hard fought, grueling wins. Um, and this just seemed like our season too. Everybody started to get healthy at the right time. Uh, the defense was really, really coming together at the end of the season. Um, and kind of the shining point of our team, which was is weird to say looking back a year from now, uh, sucks to get bounced again in the divisional round. Yeah. Or and I guess we lost uh, We lost the Ravens. Who, were they a wild card last year? I don't know. It was, yeah. yeah, I guess it was first round, right? But it was at home, too. So yeah. two, two two years in a row you lose the home first playoff yeah, game. home playoff games. The other play I want to talk about, we talked about Foreman having a big game, so he had the big run that was around 50-plus yards or whatever. We get the ball first and 10 in the red zone, and we run a screen or a swing pass to Chester Rogers, too, of all people. I mean, no offense to Chester Rogers, but just a weird play call. Gets tipped up, intercepted. I mean, dumb for Tannehill to try and force it. But, you know, that is – I mean, that's why I kind of hate the swing pass because it is one of those you just turn and you, yeah, you swing it. it. Yeah, yeah, because you got to go as fast as you can for a swing pass to even work. And it's like, what are we doing there? Why are we? Th- why are we doing that play? For I like I just said, I hate the swing pass personally. I I like it when Alabama does it in college and everything, or yeah, maybe if you throw- Mississippi State and destroys them. Yeah, and every I mean, there are teams that can make it work, obviously. But you just you're running it down their throats. Just keep doing. It's first down. Just run the ball on first down. Yeah. See if you gas gash them again. You probably got them. You, know, you got the defense on their heels. They're gasping for air a little bit. You yep, exactly. Keep, you keep that dominance of running the football. I mean, we always talk about how being physical and just beating down another team can break down their spirits, and the run game was working, man. Yeah, because I think there was 140 rushing yards or something, something around there. I mean, a good good day running, essentially. Yeah, 140 rushing yards. So, my problem with this game, obviously, is... So let let's jump into this first, Trucial. I have a question. Agree or disagree? This Titans roster, just the roster as it is now, is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Agree or disagree? Agree for sure. Really? Yeah, I think it is. Um, and I'm kind of out of the norm there. I think Tannehill, if he gets hot at the right moment and played. Like he played uh, two years ago, we could do it. If he is in the role where he doesn't really have to make any big plays and Henry is literally just destroying a team and we get hot and do the right time, it could happen. But I don't like our odds, I could say. I think Tannehill, if he gets hot and everything's going right, can get it done. Um, But he doesn't increase your odds. Of winning the Super Bowl by yeah, any means. That's fair. So, obviously, a lot of people are calling for Tannehill, everything. And he doesn't deserve it all. I mean, he definitely played poorly, but there were so many other things that... Well, so here's my here's my whole take on this. Like, like I said earlier, I think it's just so hard to win a Super Bowl. Like, you have to be consistently... 
I mean, we've been in the playoffs every year except for the first year of Vrabel's tenure. We had a winning season yeah, every nine year. Yeah, seven. You you got pretty close. You got to the AFC Championship one time, and then you've been bounced the first the first playoff game you've played the last two years. Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill threw three picks. Right, had a terrible game. Yeah. Joe Burrow threw for three hundred fifty plus yards, and you still could have won that game. Like that to me, that just says, yeah. I mean, you're putting a lot on your defense, right? But I mean, you you have a great defense. Yeah. You didn't even like Tannehill could have done all of that. I mean, obviously can't throw the pick at the very end, but the whole play the play calling pisses me off way more than anything. The, I mean, like we just said, why are we throwing that swing pass down there? Why aren't we just running the ball? For, uh, third and one and fourth and one. What are we doing with the play calling there? Why why don't we just why are we getting so cute with it? The two point conversion at the beginning of the game, obviously, I mean that's so early in the game you can't say it's too much about it because obviously the dynamics different. You don't know what would have happened the rest of the game yeah. if if we kicked the extra it's point or whatever. Way. But it sucks to look at it and you're thinking, hey, if everything did go the same way, you're up one and you're just trying to run out the clock. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the roster is good enough to win a Super You know you can beat everyone. You beat the Chiefs. You beat the Bills. You beat the arguably two best teams in the league playing your brand of football. So does it come down to is, is Vrabel... Vrabel is, is... He's an anomaly to me because there are times where he's an absolute genius and then there's times where you're thinking, what in the world is he doing? And I think... So, Swaff had this take that the Titans don't necessarily need a great quarterback. They just need a pure passer that could be anyone. A guy like Jared Goff or something. And I'm thinking, how does that make you better? Like, does that... I mean, I don't know if Jared Goff... If uh, if you look at it from a... He's talking about like a guy... Or a guy like Garoppolo or someone. No. No, I think if you get a guy like Stafford and make that big splash like the Rams did and put all their chips in one pot, yeah, we'd probably still uh, be in the playoffs right well, now. Well, and so if you get a guy like Stafford, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, this is a uh, not not re- what's the word I'm looking for? Hypothetical. hypothetical. <laughs> this is all hypothetical, but yeah, say you got a guy like Stafford or like a great quarterback in the league, one of the one of the best in the league. Then at that point, you you're changing your whole offensive philosophy. Like the reason we have been able to be good is because, I mean, Tannehill's not the reason we've been good, but it's because he kind of fits in the system, and we don't ask him to do a lot. Like if you bring in another just average QB, you're not really asking him that to. That changes our offense. It either changes our offense, or we're not. Or it's a waste of. Like we're not. We're not doing yeah. anything different. What's What's going to be better about that? You know. You've proven you can win playing your style of football. So it's either you want to get a great quarterback and change everything or you keep sticking to the same thing and just hope it works. And I I don't know what the answer is there. I think the problem is, too, is you look at a guy like Downing who got promoted after Arthur Smith leaves. And does down? I mean, Downing probably gets promoted because Vrabel's saying, I want to keep running the same offense we're running. I don't want to change anything. So even if you get a different quarterback, I don't know that that's even necessarily the problem. I mean, yeah, you don't throw three. Okay, 
maybe a guy comes in, he doesn't throw three picks, maybe safer or whatever. But are you even in this situation with just an average quarterback who you're trying to make throw the ball more? Or I, I don't know, because I would argue the fact that, you know, the fact that Tannehill's kind of a more athletic guy and mobile, that is kind of responsible for you winning some games you wouldn't win with another guy. Oh, yeah, some of his um, – we've seen some of his game-winning uh, read he's, option plays well, where it works. He's got the most game-winning drives since yeah, in the last three I mean, years or something. You can't – that's what I'm saying. We're looking at one game in his career with the Titans. Uh, but I think it, it does show a true weakness. But the dude can get hot and he can make plays when it comes to the right time. But definitely when the offense is running through him – I mean, it seems like defenses can key in. Uh, he can make big throws when the play action's working, when A.J. Brown is making insane plays. But, I mean, if the defense keys on him, is stopping the run, he's not going to go out there and, I mean, th- throw a bunch of strikes and just win the game for you, I feel like. Well, and something else that's overlooked that Vrabel talked a lot about in his press conferences throughout this entire year, the fact Tannehill's durability I mean, he got hit a lot. Like, our pass protection, it got better throughout the year, but it was bad for a time oh, there. Oh, yeah. He, and it's well, like, he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL for a little bit, wasn't he? Or at least... Something like that. Yeah, and, at some point he was. And give him something for just being tough. Because, I mean, if, yeah, that's the other thing. You bring in another guy, well, what if what if he gets injured? He gets a couple too many hits that, you know, Tannehill can take that another guy can't take. The point is, I'm, I don't care, really, if... If Tannehill, if we if we bring in another guy or something, but I don't think that's the major issue. And the thing is, you you're locked in with Tannehill regardless anyway. The next couple of years, unless there's some big oh. trade or something, or yeah, I mean, you you can make the argument, hey, let's draft a QB this year. But guess what? This year's quarterback draft class sucks. And I'm looking at Tannehill's uh, numbers here. To cut him, we'd ha- it costs us $57 million next year. So it's not like we're going to No, you're, cut lock- him. you're yeah. locked in with him. So we either got to go in the draft and I think pick a guy that we think has potential, and y- let the yeah. one-year Tannehill do one more, and then year two try and see if that uh, – maybe even have the rookie kind of pushing at the end for a little competition of the first season, and then in year two uh see what the rookie can do maybe get him a, a little bit of and that's if we hit on any rookie QB we take and like you said the class isn't great at all I mean I think Kenny Pickett could be a, a guy but I don't know if any tough. of them are gonna play I don't know if any I I guess I mean who has who has the number one pick the Jags do right yeah. or who else is up there Jags and someone else are up there too but it's like, yeah, they're not. I mean, they're not drafting a quarterback. Let's see what it is. Yeah, I know the uh, Jags do have the number one again because they got a they got a lot going for them. So Lions, Texans, Jets are two, three, and four. Okay, so I guess Texans and Lions. I mean, maybe you could. Yeah, I don't know. If maybe, you, but like, I, I, I might think be golf is. I mean, we, that's obviously could be another conversation for another time, but I don't know if golf is the guy, but yeah. They have so many glaring issues. It's like, okay, is quarterback the thing that's really bothering us, or do we need some protection? Do we need some weapons? I don't know. I don't know what that is. But, I mean, the Titans, you're drafting late 20s, so you're going to, if if you have a guy you really like, you're probably going to have to trade up to get him, and again, well, I mean, maybe you don't have to trade up to get him. I don't know, but I think whoever you get, 
I mean, he's not playing anytime soon. No. You're you're definitely it's kind of just a weird situation. Well, and it's just, I, I say all this because all these Titans fans are saying we need a new QB. We need a new QB. I'm like, okay, who? Who are you gonna get? Rogers or Russell Wilson, one of those two? I mean, that'd you be can't crazy. afford them though, right? It'd have to be a trade for uh well, I guess Rogers will be a free agent, right? But Wilson yeah. I think still has one year left, doesn't he? I don't know, because people have been talking about him maybe going to the Giants or something, too. Yeah, I've seen some Giants talk, too. But um, it'd be... T- yeah, because there's not even really just a glaring trade option that you could go for. Well, the only way you'd be able to afford those guys... I mean, you have some guys on the Titans that are about to ask for some money. Like Harold Landry. Yeah, we uh, can... Uh, I'll pull to- the list up here. So, free agents, we're losing... Well, not necessarily losing, but we'll either have to pay or let walk. Ben Jones, Jayon Brown, Ferkser, Rashawn Evans, uh, Jeff Swaim, Harold Landry, Morgan Cox, Marcus Johnson, uh, Randy Bullock, Adeniye. Uh, Ole or whatever. Oh, yeah, Ole. It's hard to pronounce his name, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pruitt, Chester Rogers, Blazingame, Batson, Tart, Crookshank, Nick Westbrook. I mean... Well, and basically, so scroll back up to the top there. So the the main guys you have there are like Ben Jones, but then you so guys like Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans are kind of on the hot seat there. You don't know yeah. kind of what we're gonna do with them. A couple of different directions, especially with how well David Long has been playing. Right. So those are guys. I I don't know what the how if anything would match up. Bring for them you. in for cheap again. I'd do it just because they're familiar with the the system and can keep chemistry. Yeah, going, and a guy like Ferk or something like he's not going to be asking for a lot of money. Like the big one there is Harold Landry. I mean, I would think Rashawn Evans or Jayon Brown might. I think they would at least maybe want some money. You know, I think they have enough to where they could find money elsewhere at least. But I don't like. I'm not sold on them coming but I don't I don't see where the money works out where you can get a great quarterback anywhere. Like you we're not picking up I mean those guys are gonna be insanely expensive. I mean granted they might be one year deals or whatever. But then it's like okay we have this whole thing built. Do we want to bring it like do we think bringing a guy for one year is gonna do it or is it more of like a two three year thing again? I don't know. I I think the problem is is if you really want to change everything up you really got to change everything up and almost start from scratch and like go yeah. go back to the whiteboard, get a new OC, figure out a new system almost, and figure out how it's going to work if you decide to bring in a different quarterback with a different style. And like you were talking about, we've obviously got a lot of money on the books. Um, so you could even see guys like Lawan who does have some time left on his contract but no money left guaranteed. I mean, you could basically dump – you cut him and you save thirteen million right there off the bat, close to fourteen million. So it's gonna suck to see some of those guys potentially go because we obviously have to make changes. And is Lawan worth fifteen, sixteen million a year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he he did. He, I mean, he tightened People, up second half of the season a yeah, lot. He played he great second so, half of the season for sure, and played great in the playoffs too. I mean, the guy I'm most worried about is how much money does Harold Landry want because he's proven. I mean, the guy had a bunch of sacks this year. He's had a bunch of sacks ever since. He's he going to be looking for double-digit millions. I'm thinking. Yeah, and so because pass rushers, they pass make rushers, money. he's worth it too, and I understand that. Well, and Byard actually came out and said if he had to restructure his contract like he did when uh, we got Clowney, he would do it. And that's what a lot of the NFL cap space is almost fake because you can basically keep restructuring every year 
to push money further and further. Like, all right, now we're actually going to pay you this amount more in 2024. Instead, this way it gives us more cap space in 2023, 2022, whatever you, you need. So Yeah. Well, and good for a guy like Bayer doing that. Because, I mean, obviously He's when we... He's a hometown we, hero. MTSU. Yeah. Mayor of Murfreesboro. Yeah, Mayor of Murfreesboro. I love uh, Kevin Byard. Well, and we gave him that huge contract when we re-signed him, but he's basically, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's letting us kind of play around with it a little bit. And that guy, I mean, he's going to be around forever, I would think. He's kind of... Yeah, uh, he's the leader of the defense, was a uh, pro bowler again this year, got a shot at being first-team all-pro. Um or I think they might have actually been named already. Was he named first team all pro? He might have been. I don't know. Honestly. Either way, he had a great season. Definitely his best one since that twenty seventeen season where he was tied for uh most interceptions in the league. Our our team is definitely gonna look different, I think, next year. Uh we've got a lot of we've got a big young core on the defense that I think is gonna kinda stick around. The secondary is really young. Dupree and Simmons and Danico Autry getting another year together under their belt, I think it's going to be great for the pass rush. But definitely going to look different on the offensive side of the ball for sure. I think we've got some decisions to make with Julio's money. Um, definitely some interesting stuff to to look forward to this season. It's going yeah, to be well, well, here's the bottom line too. Like, You're probably winning the division again next year. Unless everything falls apart, you're going back to the playoffs next year. Well, we'll see if the Colts somehow pull together a better quarterback. Yeah, That'd maybe. Be scary. Maybe we'll see how that goes. But I mean, you're you're looking pretty good at getting another playoff spot. I mean, if you're a Titans fan, you kind of just you're riding with Tannehill, no matter if you like it or not. Yeah. You got to stick for with right him, now, and you got to sure. yeah, you got to hope he just gets hot or that everything else works. That that's kind of my whole thing with this. I think Tannehill is good enough to win a Super Bowl just because he's good enough if everything else works out. Yeah. I mean, because we saw it. He played terrible, but if like you have better play calling, you win that game. Hey, I mean, it, you look at the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles and the run that Nick Foles went on. I mean, nobody's going to go back in history and say, man, Nick Foles, he was... Well, that's a, a situation... Great- where he just got hot. Yeah, he got hot, but also that defense was amazing yep. too. And the, exactly. the offensive line was probably the best in the NFL that season. Um, and the play calling, obviously the Philly special on fourth down, like the the coaching staff got hot too, I feel like. It just all, everything fell it, into it, place. It all fell into place. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like we're, we're so caught up in Recency you have to have bias. this great quarterback or whatever. And for the most part, yeah, it looks like you do if you look back. But – Man, I think a lot of it, I mean, we, we talked about Aaron Rodgers earlier. I mean, allegedly one of the best, I mean, I shouldn't say allegedly. I mean, one of the best, one of the most talented quarterbacks ever, and the guy has won, and the reason he has won is because, I mean, you have a franchise who's in the playoffs year in, year out, give him a shot. You just have, I think that's all you can really do. Like the Titans, it's, I mean, people forget, it wasn't that long ago that Titans were really bad. Oh yeah, I remember the the two and fourteen seasons, um, and just not being able to do anything. Oh, Jake Locker, Malarkey, <laughs> um, who uh, Munchak, Wizenhunt, yeah, just running through some of those old coaches that yeah. uh, did not. Well, because at least long. Malarkey got a playoff win. Yeah, right. And he was he was a good coach, but 
he I was think never, a similar scenario. Yeah. Well, it won't be a similar scenario, but uh, where the Titans might have to ask Vrabel to make some changes to uh, his staff. Malarkey wasn't willing to do that, I know, and that's kind of why it came to a mutual, all right, well, we're just going to let you go and that'll be fine, even though it got a playoff win and everything because the style of play just wasn't going to work what we were doing. So I think maybe maybe something like that could pop up, but I, I think Vrabel's the type of guy to, if J-Rob and Amy Adams Trunk and everybody is kind of moving towards that, he's he's in with them and our organization is together, so we'll, have to, we'll do what we need to do to get the right guys in place. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll say about this that I've kind of beaten into everyone over and over, I think you can win with this roster. I think you have enough talent and again, if you, the, the Titans play a different style of football than everyone, the, than of the of the teams that are left, pretty much, you know. Because what mm-hmm. do you got? You got Stafford, you got Mahomes, you got Burrow, and you got Garoppolo. So I guess the Niners have a maybe a little bit different of a style, but it's still the same type of idea, you know. We and so a, a funny. <laughs> A little flashback I saw too was a few years ago was from the 2017 playoffs. The final four quarterbacks were Brady. So you got that. Then it was Nick Foles, Case Keenum. Oh, yeah. It was the Vikings that year. Yeah. And someone. Was it Rodgers? No, no, no. It was like another middle of the pack guy. Golf or something? No. Who was it? Oh, it's going to bother me. Try to, yeah, see, because who would it have been? Because Keenum played. Brady was in the AFC. So Keenum and Foles played. Oh, it was Bortles. It was Blake Bortles. Oh, yeah. It was that year <laughs> the uh, Jaguars got hot. Yeah. And so obviously, yeah, you get to Nick Foles and Brady in the playoffs. But it's like, guys, you don't. We can go far. You can get to a Super Bowl with this team. I mean, you got, you're going to have to play the Chiefs or the Bills probably. But you've proven you can beat them. That's what I, I don't believe in this whole playoff narrative i think you just have to come prepared to play and execute when you're asked to do it because you've proven you can beat the chiefs and bills what are you going to tell me like they weren't they weren't trying because it was the regular season like every game matters they're trying every game it's going to be hard and i guess you can chalk it up to maybe playoff experience but guess what i mean this titans team has a lot of playoff experience now you've been you've had yeah, two playoff games in the past two. On yeah, this roster. The last three years, you've played in uh, five playoff games. Uh, yeah, and I mean the core group of this team is still together from three years ago. So yeah, I'd love to hear listeners if you want to share your thoughts. I'd love to hear it because I'm sure there's so many people that would love to argue with us. And I'll yeah, yeah. bring it on. I'd, we love debate. Well, and I'd love to talk to you about it because there's probably a lot of uh, good points uh, the other way that we didn't talk about. So I'd love to hear them. Let's. Go ahead and move on from that sad. It's sad that the season is over, but I know it does kind of suck. I mean, this next week's going to be really fun too. Championship games be good to see. Um, Trusha, what do you what do you got left on the? Yeah, I mean, real itinerary? quick, I wanted to talk a little college football while we got some extra time here. A little bit of the early top twenty five uh, action we got here. Uh, not too much to talk about college football wise, but it's always fun to. Start looking at some of the teams and start speculating where everybody's going to end up. Uh, so, Sports Illustrated released their too early top 25 
some pretty interesting uh, teams ended up in the top five with Utah coming in at number five. One of my playoff yeah, teams. Yeah, one of your playoff one of teams. Playoff so it looks like year. Sports Illustrated, they're kind of right there with you on Utah. And obviously, you look at their performance down the stretch in the season, they can back it up. I mean, they're they're damn good. but They look good and they play in the Pac-12. It's also Pac-12. Well, but that's what makes it even easier for them to kind of stay up there. Um, and we got Michigan dropping a little bit down at number seven. I can kind of see that. Uh, something that I really liked about this list was number 16, Josh Heupel's Tennessee. Dude, that's high. Yeah, I think it's a little high. And, and uh, I feel like we've underperformed it in the transfer portal. Uh, for sure, because we had a lot of hype rolling into it. And... Yeah, but she, I mean, you got the guys you want. You got Hooker and you got Tillman. That's all that. I mean, people are really worried about. I mean, you, you're going to have on the offense. Yeah, it would have been nice to get some good well, defensive additions. And you look at so you look at the East, right? Vandy sucks. Florida's hopefully, hopefully you beat suck. Florida next year, but you never know. As a Tennessee fan, George, Kentucky's obviously pretty Ken, good. Kentucky, but we, you can beat them. We are to Kentucky what Florida is to us, basically. No matter so, how bad we are, no matter how good they are, they just they're gonna lose to Tennessee. So you kinda gotta hope you flip the script with Florida on their down year and you keep doing what you do against Kentucky, which Kentucky's gonna be pretty good again. Le- Levis is back, right? Yeah, Levis yes. is back. But I mean Vandy's not gonna be good. But then South Carolina's gonna be who knows, you know. Well, that'll be interesting to keep tabs on. Yeah. And then obviously you gotta play Bama. But I mean, I mean, you have the potential with the offense you run. You saw it when you played Bama. You were kind of in that game for a little bit. You have the potential to. I'm not going to say you're going to be Bama, but you have the potential to really give anyone else a run for their money, pretty much. Yeah. Well, Georgia's going to be uh, tough right. to give them a run for their money right. too. It's going to be those two teams that you kind of chalk up as losses. But <clears throat> I don't even know. Is there anyone big on the non-con schedule for next year? Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, I. Don't know it off the top of my head, but we can definitely get it pulled up here. Um, well, we got Pitt again, right? I believe we play them again next year. Because uh, don't we have a home and away? I don't know, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah, at Pitt. Okay, and you're kind of hoping that's gonna go your way this time with Pickett gone with their OC gone we also got at LSU next year too that'll be interesting yeah it'll be interesting because they're gonna have uh their new staff and everything yeah I don't I think know we can beat Brian Kelly though I hope we do I don't like Brian Kelly and I don't know what LSU's gonna do because they brought some guys in they obviously lost a ton of guys that transferred out I don't know but yeah like we said you still got to play Georgia still got to play Alabama well, but you you look at that and you're thinking, hopefully you go four and zero non conference against what is that Ball State, Pitt, Akron, and then Florida and, and UT Martin is the other oh, non conference. Oh, I thought you meant the first four games of the season. So let's actually, yeah, let's look at this real quick. So that's I'm gonna say that's four right there. I'm gonna go from the bottom then. Then you get a bye, and then going into LSU, that game is gonna be hype. That's good. That's a good time for a bye too. So hopefully we're. But you don't want to be riding too high off that Florida win if we beat them. Dude, that's like, I don't even... You, you got three kind of guaranteed wins in the non-con, and then the pit is... I mean, I don't, like, I don't think Pitt's going to be yeah, that good I mean, next they year. they should be definitely down from this year. But you can't... 
You never you're not you're not ready if you're a Tennessee fan. I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans are ready, but really you're not ready to chalk up any average to decent team as a win. No. Like I'm gonna chalk up three of those non con games and then Vandy Missouri should probably probably but that's like probably Missouri. So yeah, I'll there's five wins right there, but then I have no idea how South Carolina is gonna be. I don't know what LSU is gonna look like. I'm going to chalk up Georgia and Bama's losses, and then yeah. Kentucky, I don't know what's going to happen there. So that's 16 kind of surprises me just because of how many toss-ups are in there. But, hey, if if the experts are predicting it, I can't argue with them. I mean, you could pull a 10-win season out of this, though. Definitely possible. If you just lose to Bama and Georgia. Just Bama and Georgia. I would say that's not the expectation, but that is what – Okay, I'm hoping Hypel is the guy. This is the jump that we make. It'd be awesome. But I'm also cool with giving him a little bit of time. Scored the most points yeah. ever. Well, I think if you go 8-4, and four, if you just keep improving, I mean, everyone's going to be pretty happy with that. I want a Florida win, though. Yeah, hopefully you get the Florida win. Well, because here's the thing. Even after Hooker's gone after next year, you got Taven Jackson coming yeah, in. Yeah, Hypel's guy. Hypel's guy. So... Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're not like just to. like next year. Say you go eight and four next year, you're not necessarily going to get worse. Like you could still be getting better even after yeah. that because the defense could be getting tighter and tighter. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I think Hooker gives us the best chance we're going to get. Though I don't know about a freshman coming in. That'd be awesome. If oh Dave yeah, Jackson no, you're, is that you're special. right. But Hennon Hooker is definitely going to be the guy to maybe make a big jump next year and. He'll be a scratch on that Heisman door. Yeah, I was going to say dark horse Heisman, but who knows? Maybe he might be in that kind of top 10 arena next year as far as preseason kind of Heisman lists go. We'll see. He'll be around there. We'll see. Did you have another? Was there another ranking you wanted to talk about that kind of surprised you or that Um, stuck out to you? Well, there was two real quick that I wanted to go over. Since he dropping... Uh, to 23 is pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know because Ritter is gone. Ritter's right? gone. Sauce Gardner is yeah. gone. Um, and then something really cool here. I just love seeing Coastal Carolina uh, up there and the famous quote from Grayson McCall, I pissed Teal. I'm coming back. <laughs> so it's good to see. I'm I'm a big Coastal Carolina well, guy. Because he was, he was injured for a lot of last year, right? Yeah, he was. So, I mean, that's a big, yeah. Expect Coastal Carolina to kind of maybe 22 make a little bit. 22 and 3. Uh, the past two seasons. That's pretty good. I mean, they say whatever you want about kind of these. I mean, Cincinnati's not mid-major anymore because I guess they'll be in the Big 12. But these kind of lower-level schools, they get a little respect because, I mean, you think Desmond Ritter's gone, Sauce Gardner's gone. What really is Cincinnati after that? But, you know, they're giving Luke Fickle his respect, keeping him as a ranked team. Coastal Carolina's coming back with Grayson McCall. That'll be... I think they'll both be good. I'm excited. To, is Cincinnati playing in the Big 12 next year? Let like me I th- take a look at I that. I think so, right? It'll all depend, too, like as if Oklahoma and Texas get into the SEC, which, yeah, that's the other thing. You're going to have all these schedules changing if they So, yeah, they only there. have four games listed right now. I guess <sighs> they're figuring that out because they only have Indiana, Miami, Ohio, Kennesaw, and Arkansas. So they got a pretty tough... Uh, non-conference schedule there too. Well, I guess um, Indiana is kind of down a little bit, but Arkansas is a tough draw. Any anytime you play two Power Five teams in your non-con, though, yeah, that's pretty 
pretty intense. That first game, Cincinnati-Arkansas, is going to be good. I would yeah. think Arkansas would pretty much take care of that just because of the unknown with Cincinnati. But we'll see how it goes. Then, Trucial, you wanted to talk... Actually, I'll let you take the lead on this. Where do you want to go next? Yeah, so uh, why don't we kick it off with a little bit of college basketball sticking in the college theme, and then we can also do a little bit of NBA uh, to finish us off. Getting into the swing of basketball is football. We've only got, like you said, four teams left. We need to start uh, heating up a little bit here. Um, So college basketball-wise... Tennessee made a nice little jump in the rankings. Was good to see uh, a win against LSU. They were down a couple of guys uh, after a good win against Vanderbilt. Kind of a little bit ugly, but Euros Plavsic is become the hero for our team. He's doing a little bit of what Kyle Alexander did at his time at UT. Yeah, obviously Kyle Alexander by the time he was a senior was like a really good starter and everything. He just fouled out every game. But yeah, well, but both guys when they first got to UT were pretty. When you have guys who are that tall and that long, they end up being kind of timid around the basket because they're not. Mm-hmm. You're not even super comfortable when you're that tall, like in your own body. Yeah, it's just gangly. But like. Kyle Alexander later in his career, and what I've seen out of Euros these past couple games are playing like they're the big guys on the court. Yeah. You know, playing with a little little strength, especially that SWAT that Euros had uh, last game that ended up turning into. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I'm. I think so. I'm trying. Yeah, to... It was just a highlight I saw. Yeah. He like swatted one off the backboard, and it was like powerful. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's finally he's beefed up a lot since his freshman year, so he's starting to use a little bit of that weight. Yeah. And so, I mean, Tennessee basketball is funny to pay attention to. It's funny to pay attention to the so fans with it. Well, that, and, but... Uh, well, the fans are inconsistent, too, yeah. with what they think about Barnes. Exactly. That's kind of what I, was, what I was going with. You're so back and forth on Rick Barnes. And my whole thing is, I have no problem with Barnes. Like, yeah, I want to go farther in the tournament and everything. But, I mean, I think people lose sight of... I mean, the farthest Tennessee has ever gone... The elite, is eight. the elite eight. And I think a lot of it, I mean, at least from my standpoint, seeing Auburn being ranked number one right now um, with Mr. Bruce Pearl at the helm, really, I think what digs into it a lot too. It hurts. Just seeing, knowing Tennessee could have had this guy for the past 10 years. Who knows what he would have done? You'd have a national championship at Tennessee. I mean, if Bruce dude, Pearl he wins wherever he goes. Literally, wherever he goes, he immediately within two or three years, turned Auburn around from a pretty bad basketball program at the time uh, to being a... Nothing special, for sure. Being perennially a, a threat. Number one in the country, yeah. yeah. And they went to... Did they go to the Natty or they went to the Final Four? Final Four a couple years yeah. ago, and they got screwed on that. I believe it was against Virginia uh, where they got a foul call on a three ball. And what was his name? Kyle Guy or... Uh, the- was that his he was first on, name? He was Guy? on the team. Was his last name, wasn't it? His last name was Guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But he got fouled, um, and I think had to hit three f- straight free throws, hit them all. Auburn ended up losing as time expired, and it was he before there was a travel that was missed, uh, just all kinds of crazy stuff in that game. But that was the year Virginia ended up uh, beating Texas Tech, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, Bruce already has gotten them to uh, a Final Four appearance. Um, and Bruce was the only guy to get us to an Elite Eight at Tennessee. So, just like I was saying, he wins wherever he goes. It sucks. Um, 
But I mean, I'm my best case scenario would be Rick Barnes maybe gracefully retires two years from now, and then we get Kim English um, out of George Mason, who was originally an assistant for Tennessee, and I think was a huge, huge part of the success that came uh, came to Tennessee. What did he do? Didn't they beat a ranked team or something? Yeah, Devontae Gaines had like an amazing game. Uh, well, it was t- like the first time they'd ever won. It was the first time they'd ever beaten a ranked team or something in program history, something like that. Or some weird, it may have, I don't know, if, I think it was, I think that's right, or it was something crazy, like, he did something that had never been done at George so, yeah, Mason before. Looking at the, they beat Maryland, that's who it was, was their big upset. Um, yeah, right here, Deshaun Schwartz with 24 points, Devontae Gain with 14 and 10, big double-double. Um, yeah, and this was, it, I can't remember exactly what the scenario was, but it was um, the first time George Mason had got a win over a Power Five, either in like 50 years or school history or something like that, something crazy. Yeah. So it's I'm definitely on the Kim English train. Yeah. And hey, they, they only lost to Kansas number five this year by nine. So, jeez. It's always funny because by the time football's winding down, <laughs> by the time football's winding down, you know, college basketball is almost winding down. You know, yeah, really I mean, is. you're still you're still in the thick of it right now. Yeah, but by the we time, still got March, Ma- but March Madness is going to be rolling around here. Well, soon. that's the thing. It's like by the time the Super Bowl comes around in February, you know, it's like, all right, let's Couple figure all this college Madness, basketball yeah. stuff out and get to March, which is awesome. Yeah. You still have plenty of time to kind of get your college basketball fix. And I've been paying attention. You know, I watch the Huskers and the Vols and kind of keep tabs on what's going on in college basketball. But obviously, my number one focus right now is kind of what's going on in the NFL. Yeah. But. Should be fun to watch, especially, you know, whenever the basketball tournaments come, like the conference tournaments come around. It's, it's to me, one of the most fun times in sports of the year is when kind of the conference tournaments come around and oh, you yeah. see all these Cinderella stories and buzzer beaters. Because, and- I mean, something happens every year. There's 64 to, or 68 teams that make the tournament. Uh, crazy stuff is going to happen. When you see, especially in these mid-major conferences, you'll see a team who's like 9-21, and 21, get, get to the conference hot. championship, and then it's like, okay, you could go to the tournament with this. Well, you saw what Oregon State uh, last year or two years ago yep. get hot from the three ball, win the Pac-12 championship, wouldn't have made the tournament otherwise, um, and then make it all the way to the Elite Eight, basically continue that hot streak um, and go on an insane run. That's the funniest part. You could literally lose every game in the regular season and then still go to the tournament and then win the national basketball. championship. You could go defeated in the regular season and technically win a national championship. Yeah. Waiting for someone to do that still. Be fun. I wouldn't count on it, but hey, you never know. Yeah, probably not. Um, but that's pretty much all I had down for college basketball. We can talk a little bit of NBA here to close us out. Um Kind of a little update on some of you listeners. Maybe you don't follow uh, basketball as much NBA-wise, but wanted to give a quick run-through of kind of what's going on in the NBA right now. Uh, Suns, Warriors, and Grizzlies are all the big contenders out of the West. Grizzlies are obviously the biggest surprise. We've kind of expected the Warriors with Clay Thompson being back healthy and uh, some of those young guys coming in. Uh, Suns obviously were very good last year, made it to the finals. Looking to repeat that, having their best start since Barkley was there. So the Suns are very dangerous. But the Grizzlies are the surprise name. Uh, John Morant has taken a massive leap this year. 
Desmond Bain has taken a huge leap. Uh, the defense has been playing crazy, crazy good. Jaron Jackson Jr. continues to block. Steven Adams being switched out for Valanchunas has been awesome. Uh, the East has been a little weird. We're seeing teams like the Heat in the number one spot. So they had kind of a down year last year after making an insane run to the finals. They're back up. The Bulls are back. And I love that for the NBA. I feel like the Bulls need to be good. That that just yeah, feels right. Yeah, that's good for the NBA. Um, the Bucks are obviously up there. And then the Nets, who unfortunately just lost uh, Kevin Durant for a little while. They do have Kyrie Irving back. Uh, who still is not being able to play in some games because of his vaccination status and all his crazy stuff there. Um, But really, I think, and what I've been seeing a lot as well reading online, the the three teams out of the West are who it's going to be to beat this year. Um, Giannis is obviously going to be dangerous, but out of the East, it just kind of seems like they don't have it. So I'm interested to see if the Grizzlies could actually make a run. Not getting my hopes up quite yet, but it'd be fun to see a little maybe Western Conference Finals run, and then we keep improving. It's just fun having the NBA wide open again. Yeah, no, the, and it's you're seeing teams that have not been good in a long time uh, have some pretty big success. One one team that's been pretty interesting too to watch in the East are the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have made a little bit of a rebound. I think they're number six right now, um, so not in the playing tournament. But Darius Garland leading that team, Brentwood boy. Uh, trained with my sisters, had the same trainer, so got to watch him uh, kind of grow up a little bit and be around Brentwood. That dude can play. Yeah, shout out Brentwood Academy. He's a baller. He was. I remember watching him. So he went to BA, which is obviously you know middle school and a high school. Reese's alma mater. Yeah, Reese's alma mater. And I remember we, you know, we obviously we went to Brentwood High right down the road. So. Obviously, had a bunch of kind of mutual buddies over there. So I remember going to a game. BA was like, they were they were up and down. Like uh, Brandon Wright was there. They were really yeah. good at basketball. But then for a while, they weren't that good. And I remember I would have had to have been a around a sophomore or something maybe. I don't know. But Darius was in like eighth grade and little. Like a little yeah, kid out up. there. He played in high school. In they grade. they yeah. they let him play in a high school game as an eighth grader. And like he's, I mean, he's tall now, probably what six four or something. Yeah, six three, six four. Yeah, he can slam for sure. Yeah, and he was not like he was tiny. Like he looked like a little kid out there. His jersey didn't even fit him, and the kid was draining threes. He's so fast too. And it was it was hilarious watching this little kid against. Some like adults, essentially, you know, yeah, some of these guys, yeah, some 18 year olds, and he's just out there getting buckets. So, I mean, obviously, he's a guy you knew was kind of going to do things. And then if he could have, he could have, yeah. he, he was a guy, you know, could have probably just gone straight to the NBA, went to Vandy, and didn't even really play because he got hurt and then goes to the NBA and balls out. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, where his career ends up I don't know if he'll well I I really don't know anything about him or his situation but I'd imagine if he wants to win a championship he might want to get out of Cleveland so he could be yeah. I think he could be one of those guys that he plays his rookie contract out and maybe they try and move him or he signs somewhere else because uh, he's going to make some big money here soon oh he'll be there'll be a lot of teams chomping at the bit to get him too um, but we can also give a quick update I checked the all-star voting today um, and this is in order, the West front court with LeBron leading the pack, Jokic 
Wiggins at number three, which I was pretty surprised by. And then uh, Paul George, PG-13, rounding out the voting there. Um, West backcourt was Steph at number one, John Morant at number two, Don Chich at three, and Clay Thompson at four. So kind of talking about the Warriors, they're back, baby. Both their guards are uh, in the top four voting for the All-Star game this year. Yeah, and I can like the Warriors again, so I'm, I'm fine with that, you know. Now yeah, they're just back the to the original. Brothers. Yeah, with Ke- Kevin Durant ruined it. Yeah. Well, I, Wiggins, Wiggins isn't nearly on the same level as Durant, so I'm fine no, with him yeah. being there. Yeah. I still wish uh, Wiggins and LeBron could have worked out in Cleveland. That would have been fun. Of, I think especially just having LeBron kind of guide Wiggins. Because K-Love, you know, he was, I mean, he was a big, he was a part of that championship run and everything, obviously, but you kind of wonder what, like how different it would have looked if you had yeah, Wiggins if you there had instead. Wiggins instead didn't make that trade. Yeah, I don't know. Um, moving on to the East here, we talk about Kevin Durant, who is uh, hurt now, so they'll probably have a replacement for him. But he is leading the votes with Giannis at number two, Embiid and Jason Tatum running out the front court. Uh, back court, we have Demar Derozan on the Bulls, leading the uh, voting there. Trey Young. Uh, Zach Levine on the Bulls as well, coming at number three, and James Harden finishing out that vote. Uh, so talking about the Bulls being good, both of their guards are also in the top four for uh, all-star voting. I think uh, DeMar DeRozan might have finally found his fit here. Because, I mean, he was a, a beast in Toronto, but things kind of went downhill fast for him there. I feel like the fan base kind of jumped out him, uh, jumped off the bandwagon from him. He averaged 27 points a game one year. I mean, he was a... He was the Ball. guy. He was the yeah. guy for a little bit there. And then his lack of three-point shooting really kind of killed him, and then the the Raptors just not being able to. Well, obviously, 2019 or was it 2019 or 2020, they got that ring, kind of Kawhi. Uh, well, that was, well, thing, that was right? after the trade, yeah. Yeah, because DeMar right. went to so the Spurs. So he went to the Spurs, that's right. Um, so he kind of missed on the opportunity there, loses uh, or switches places. Obviously, they win the championship. Um, hasn't really been that great on the Spurs. Had some pretty good seasons, couple of good seasons, and then now with the the Bulls, maybe uh, this is his home, and he's got Zach Levine, another good player there, plenty of other young talent. It's going to be interesting to see uh, once this this young team gets in the playoffs what they can do. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for All Star Weekend too. That's really yeah. when I start paying attention. That's to when NBA. it kicks off. Yeah, and NBA really kicks off. And I've always liked All Star Weekend. It's just I feel fun like the to watch. NBA for some reason. I've never been a big Pro Bowl guy. Never really been a big MLB All Star. But NBA All Star Weekend is always an event. Well, just having all this like the, the skills contest, challenge, even three the point th- shoot, yeah. shootout, like yeah, the that's three the point part. shootouts lost it a little bit ever since. Because, like, Steph won it one year, but then he, like, lost, and it's kind of like, all right, well, he's well, he still is the, best. the best. Yeah. Like, why are we, we, we know who's the best three point shooter in the, the NBA. The right dunk now. contest is still fun. You kind of have just run out of dunks. I think you did, like, after Blake, after Blake Griffin jumped over yeah. the car, everything was kind of done with. They had but, that one last good one with Eric, uh, Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, yeah. and yeah, yeah. that one in like 2016. Right. But really, since then, there hasn't been a memorable dunk contest. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to have two guys who are like who that can battle it out yeah. we're gonna be having some crazy dogs but i even like just watching the skills challenge i think that's fun yeah and i like watching the uh like uh kind of young stars challenge that they do as well uh they do the like young 
it's like the glow or the the world versus USA. It's like the young up and coming USA players versus um, like all the young up and coming international players. That's a fun one. So it'll be some interesting stuff to watch. One of my favorite All Star games was I want to say around twenty fourteen, maybe twenty fifteen, and it was back when Lob City was going on with the Clippers oh, yeah. and Blake I Griffin. City. I think Blake Griffin had twenty two dunks. <laughs> in the game that's ridiculous because you know they're scoring 160 or 180 yeah, points not too or whatever defense. no and they were just it was at the beginning i think he had 20 points like super quick because they just kept throwing alley-oops to blake griffin because that's what everyone wanted to see hey i mean it, it sells tickets people want to go see flashy dunks from lob city yeah um but yeah that pretty much closes out the nba another uh good run through with a little little bit bigger of a basketball minute and uh, we'll probably see that basketball minute increase a little bit as the uh, uh, football winds down. Yeah, for sure. Guys, thanks again for listening. Uh, send us your thoughts if you have any. Look over to the website. We got our buddy Boss Cog working on a little content for y'all. He's going to be putting out some more stuff, so be sure to check social media and the website for that. We'll be tweeting it out, putting it on Instagram, everything, obviously. Remember, we're part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Uh, fitness, sports, food, travel, anything you got, they anything you want, they've got it pretty much over on their website. Go check them out at sixpackcoverage.com. Be sure to check us out on YouTube too if you don't already. Uh we found a lot of people kind of enjoy that platform as well as opposed to maybe Spotify and Apple, but you can find us pretty much anywhere uh you listen to your podcast, so check us out. Follow us on Twitter at paydirt underscore underscore sports. Follow us on Instagram at paydirt sports. Like I said, check out the blog, paydirtsports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Paydirt out.